Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. My name's Al Guevara. Thank you very much for joining us. Episode number 22. There he is. There he is. Brother Joe making his triumphant return to the hallowed halls of the Al Guevara man cave. Closet. (laughs) Studio. 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 The studios. The Small Hours Podcast Studios. There you go. Thank you for joining us, Joe. Hey. Glad you could come back. Glad to be back. Uh, last week, I was like, should I call Joe? I'm really tired. I should just record this. And if you noticed, uh, the show was like 11 minutes long. The abridged version. Yeah, of it was Small like hours. cliff notes, man. It was like, <laughs> let's get through this. There's nobody to talk to about anything. <laughs> so, you know, it went fairly rapidly. But I'm glad to have you back. A lot of stuff to talk about. The big news this weekend, this President's Day weekend that just passed. We were talking about Deadpool, or at least I talked about Deadpool last week, and how the estimates were somewhere uh, along the lines of, uh, I think it was $65, $70 million, something like that. And, yeah, $65 million over the upcoming four-day holiday weekend, with some estimates pointing north of $70 million for the four-day weekend. Uh-huh. Let's take a look at how it went. President's Day weekend estimates are in. Deadpool is topping the charts with a massive $150 million. That's awesome. Holy crap. (laughs) To go along with an updated international three-day weekend of another $132.1 million, Fox has revised its three-day estimate for the R-rated superhero feature to $132.7 million. That's nice. In the three-day weekend, which gives the film a whopping $264.8 million worldwide debut as of Sunday. The estimate $150 million four-day President's Day weekend is a record-smashing achievement, besting the previous record of $93 million that was set only last year by Fifty Shades of Grey. Hmm. Beat that one by over $57 million. Playing in a little over... liked it. Yeah, you better believe it. Uh, 3,550 theaters. That's uh, about a $42,000 per theater average for the four-day weekend to go along with a top 10 opening weekend theater average of $37,310 for the three-day. Here are some of the records Deadpool has broken. A few highlights for Number one opening weekend with 132.75 ever in Fox history. Number one opening weekend ever for an R-rated film. Number one February opening weekend. Number one winter opening weekend. Number two opening weekend ever for an original Marvel property title. Number five opening weekend ever for a Marvel property title that wasn't original. Hmm. The global IMAX take was uh, $27.4 million for the long holiday weekend. A new February record, obviously, for the format and best ever for an R-rated title. Domestically, the IMAX take was a record-breaking $18.4 million from only 374 IMAX screens. Yeah, records for both uh, February and R-rated titles. This is interesting. The audience, which we figured was going to skew more male, was at 62% male, but still 38% female. 47% of the audience being under the age of 25. I'd like to know how many of those were actually under 18. Yeah, yeah, because uh, (laughs) I've heard a lot of complaints. Yeah, about 10-year-olds coming out of freaking Deadpool. And uh, besides that, how many... Bought a ticket for another movie and snuck in. <laughs> it also did get a, an A cinema score, suggesting wow. opening day audiences liked what they saw. And everybody that I've talked to that has seen the movie is highly recommending it. Like, you're not going to be disappointed. I'm still going to go in with low expectations. Yeah, right. But as much <laughs> as I can. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping to go this Friday. Because he didn't like that guy. As a, was, was he Green, Green Lantern? Was it the same guy? He had to yeah. pick at the the fresh scab, <laughs> Green Lantern. I'm I'm a I'm a Green Lantern fan. Yes, you know my motorcycle has a Green Lantern paint job. You know, yeah. I had high expectations for Green Lantern. I like Ryan Reynolds, but the movie itself, just the the script, really oh. was such a letdown. 
Sinestro, Mark Strong. Freaking, I was like, this guy is Sinestro. I was looking forward to the next movie where he could be the evil Sinestro because he was still a Green Lantern at the time in this movie. And at the very end is when he switches into the evil Sinestro. That's, cricket, all, cricket, that's all I got cricket. to see of Mark Strong and Sinestro. I was really, really sad when the, um, the tally started coming in and... Thanks for reminding me about that. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> films that open over uh, $120 million and have an A cinema score have all gone on to gross more than $310 million domestically. Nice. So that's great news for Deadpool. They, it's an 11-year project that Ryan Reynolds has been trying to get this made. 11-year journey. So uh, good for them. As for the weekend's two other newcomers, How to Be Single scored an estimated $20.6 million in a B cinema score. So Deadpool punished star Dakota Johnson who was also in Fifty Shades of Grey. Much worse than Mr. Grey. Thank you very much. Paramount Zoolander 2, disappointed with an estimated $16 million four-day weekend and a pretty bad C-plus cinema score. The audience breakdown was 51% female. It's immediately evident where the film missed out when you see 62% of the audience was over the age of the much-desired 25-year-and-under demo. Mm. The 15 years since the original, combined with the powerhouse that was Deadpool, certainly didn't help Zoolander 2, or Zoolander number 2. Internationally, the film opened with $9.3 million for the three-day weekend from 20 markets. Reports have the film's budget listed as over $50 million. Now, here's some a couple of interesting things on the top 10. Kung Fu Panda 3, last week's number 1, still brought in, even facing Deadpool, still brought in $26 million. Wow. So, congratulations to Kung Fu Panda 3, already over $100 million in two weeks. Nice. The Revenant still in the top five, pulling in another $7.8 million, bringing its total over $160 million. Star Wars still at number six. <laughs> another $7.6 million. This is a four-day weekend. Still in 1,810 theaters, over $916 million domestically. Wow. Hail Caesar, last week's uh, debut from the Coen Brothers, pulling in seven point two. That's just over $21 million. That's about what its budget is at, and the last three are the choice, right along to and The Boys. So, still a great uh, President's Day weekend for Deadpool. Just phenomenal news. Very, very happy. Uh, however, there is going to be some fallout to the success of Deadpool, and this one came from IndieWire.com. This was inevitable. As James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, predicted, studios are going to be emboldened to go R-rated for their superhero projects following the smash success of Deadpool. Remember, for the most part, they've been PG, maybe PG-13. There hasn't been a rated R, I think, since Blade or something <laughs> first yeah. came out. 20th Century Fox, the studio behind Deadpool, evidently intends to take one of their most popular characters into grittier territory. A promotional catalog handed out by the studio at Toy Fair 2016 in New York City revealed that its next untitled Wolverine movie, slated to be Hugh Jackman's last turn in the role, will be R-rated. Mm. Hmm. But the larger question is whether or not the James Mangold-directed movie needs to be R-rated. Such a move would allow the studio to make a more violent movie and would very likely include a foul-mouthed cameo from Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to get Wolverine into Deadpool. It didn't happen. Uh, or maybe, if you haven't seen it. Consider this the first wave of R-rated superhero projects greenlit around Hollywood. But let's hope executives heed his warning and ensure that the material is right for the rating. Right. There's no official word for Fox yet about this turn events, but stay tuned. The untitled Wolverine movie opens on March 30th, March 3rd rather, of 2017. Now, here's the thing about about Wolverine. Wolverine 
is a very, very violent character. I yeah. mean, punching those claws through guys' eyeballs and kind of stuff like that. So we've been getting kind of a sanitized version, kid-friendly version of Wolverine in all these movies, starting with X-Men, the, the first X-Men, right? Along with that and all the different incarnations of Wolverine that Hugh Jackman has portrayed in his solo movies and the X-Men, and et cetera, and the cameos and stuff, it's been followed by family audiences, you know, right. parents and kids. So is it the right move to make it an R-rated just because of Deadpool's success? A, a gratuitous R would be, right. a, would be a mistake, I think. Yeah. Like you said, unless... I mean, it's been successful without it. Why, just to push the envelope, or just because of this one's success, would you have to make it an R? Like, if, if yeah. you can, if you can do it intelligently without, right, or write a better script. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that was the issue. Some people liked part one more than part two. I think I liked part two, the samurai stuff uh, and the the silver samurai and all that going on, than the first one because the first one just had some some parts that I was like, dude, you know, especially with Deadpool. Wade Wilson was in the original X Men Origins Wolverine. And uh, his, um, his nickname is Merc with a mouth because he's got the uh, he's a witty character, talks to the audience, etc., etc., etc. Halfway through the movie, they sewed his mouth shut, and then all of a sudden, uh, Deadpool shooting, shooting or Wade Wilson is shooting laser beams out of his eyes, and I'm just you know went off the rails with that yeah. character on X Men Origins Wolverine. So the Deadpool we got now with Ryan Reynolds, which was played by Ryan Reynolds in the X Men Origins movie, is more true to the character. You know the rated R, the the comedy, the type of comedy that it is, and um, the violence. You know, it's a, it's a very violent character. I mean, he killed the Marvel Universe. Yeah. The entire Marvel Universe. <laughs> so re- read it if you get a chance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I saw uh, um, they're doing press junkets for Eddie the Eagle, uh-huh. right, with, uh, with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds went in and interviewed him. I shared it on the Small Hours Podcast Facebook page. And uh, he's like, is it true that you had specially designed lifts put in your shoes on a previous movie so you wouldn't be, so you'd be as tall as one of your, your co-stars? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> that was funny. Some inside info from, from Ryan Reynolds, I think. He said, this question's from Brian Brennels. <laughs> but if you, if you haven't checked out our Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash the small hours podcast. And uh, I'll put stuff like that. Not too much. I, you know, I don't like to overdo it. Right. But occasionally, I'll put stuff like that. Are you planning to go watch Deadpool? I'd like to, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to go. This is hilarious. I was, uh, I was off Monday. I'm out and about. I, I finally went out and bought a couple knives, right? Uh, I bought a uh, knife, a CRKT knife that I found, and uh, got this one a pretty good deal. Very sharp. Be careful. And I also got the uh, SOG Spear that I've been looking for. Uh-huh. I got that one at like half price. And um, I'm there looking at a, at a machete, which I also got at a great price, like 75% off. And I get a call from my wife. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, would you believe I'm looking at a machete? And she's like, what? I go, would you believe that I'm looking at a machete? She's like, yes, I would. Okay. <laughs> so, she knows you very well. Yeah. She's like, oh, so what are you going to do, right? And I'm like, well, I'm probably going to go see Deadpool and then go pick up our daughter, et cetera. She's like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Without me? I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean? We could have gone this whole weekend. I had zero idea that. That she wanted to go see Deadpool, and I'm and I'm like, when did you want? It's like, hello, Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so now we're gonna now we're gonna go see Deadpool. Hopefully this Friday, but it worked out because a friend of mine gave me free ticket. So cool, half price. So I'm gonna be looking forward to that one. And uh, it looks like it's on track for another sixty five million dollar weekend. Wow, yeah, for all of we those so. that didn't see it, <clears throat> maybe while so. everybody's at the parade, I'll go watch it. And you should. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. Speaking of Eddie the Eagle, Taron uh, Egerton 
Chen, who uh, is the star of Ed Eagle, who we believe playing Eddie, uh, was also the star of The Kingsman, The Secret Service. Did you see that one? Oh, yes, yes. Great freaking movie. Oh, man. yeah, it was. That was a surprise hit. I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't read the graphic novel. Watched it, loved it. Freaking insane church scene, fight <laughs> yeah. scene. Holy crap. Probably one of the best choreographed cinematic fight scenes I've ever seen in a movie with Colin Firth in there. Well, from HollywoodReporter.com, now it looks like Julianne Moore, girl, <laughs> one of our favorite redheads, is in talks to play the villain in The Kingsman 2. Nice. So that's going to be the sequel to the Fox surprise hit that starred Colin Firth and Taron Egerton. Matthew Vaughn is back in the director's chair for the continuing adventures of a wayward tough from the wrong side of London who was taken in by a suave and sophisticated agent. And Ala Pygmalion is turned into the best and brightest of operatives. Egerton, or Eger- Egerton, I guess, is back with the action and said to move from London to the States. So that ought to be uh, ought to be interesting. Firth is not due to come back at this stage. We won't say why, but... Uh, uh, you know, you never know. Details for Moore's character are not revealed, but it is understood that she will be the piece's bad guy if a deal is made. The Oscar-winning actress is juggling several projects, including Todd Haynes' ab- adaptation of the kids' book Wonderstruck, and scheduling conflicts could be one obstacle. Get me Hollywood on the line and clear her schedule, damn it! <laughs> The movie is heading towards a May start for what will be a summer shoot. Moore won an Oscar last year for Still Alice, has appeared in The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, has he scheming President Coin. And I only remember from, you know, Boogie Hannibal. Nights. Oh, and Hannibal, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd see, I didn't see Boogie Nights. Should I see Boogie Nights? Yes. All right. There, there you heard it here first. <laughs> Some television news, and I don't know if you heard about this one. Uh, former or, or brief Laredo resident Charlie Hunnam, uh, star of Sons of Anarchy. All right, he was here for a week. <laughs> has spoken about plans for a prequel to the TV show, which could star Brad Pitt. Really? Yeah, show creator Kurt Sutter previously confirmed that he's hoping to make a Sons of Anarchy prequel series. Sons of Anarchy, which tells the story of a California motorcycle club, finished in 2014 after seven seasons. Hunnam, who played Jackson Jax Teller in the show, recently told Men's Journal that he would love to see a prequel happen. He added, Kurt is trying to get it going. Hang on. Kurt is trying to get it going. Did you read about that Brad Pitt maybe playing my dad? He's British, man. I can't. I know. It just it shocked me. Brad Pitt as John Teller. How awesome would that be? On the possibility of the prequel happening, Hunnam said, I'm not sure when it would happen, though. He's got another TV show he's working on. I don't know if he needs me as a lead actor on that, too. I'd love that guy, but it was hard for us to work together sometimes because we're both crazy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt and I never blasted each other in the face, but I'll say it got close. You gotta be careful mm. how you read that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's been security rushing onto set and pulling us apart before. Sutter previously explained that the prequel would begin during the Vietnam War and take the form of a 10 or 12 episode limited series. Somehow I just don't see Charlie Hunnam as a tough guy. I mean, it was it was a little difficult for me to buy the tough motorcycle guy persona there. Yeah, he's just a little too pretty boyish for me. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I don't know what it was. Did you could did you buy it? Yeah, I just, I just like you said, I suspended, suspended disbelief. disbelief and just, yeah. just uh, enjoyed it. It's like try not to picture him blasting Kurt Sutter in the face. <laughs> I was uh, the, uh, the more trouble I had was not picturing his stepdad as the uh, as the uh, beast. For beast. Me, the beast. <laughs> or for me, it was Hellboy. Yeah, Hellboy. Yeah, turn red and grow horns. <clears throat> Catherine, <laughs> hairball. <laughs> Uh, Sutter has also confirmed that he's working on an entirely separate Sons of Anarchy spin-off series focusing on the Mayans. 
Focusing on the Mayans, a California-based uh, motorcycle gang that often pitted itself against Sam Crow, the gang at the heart of the main Sons of Anarchy series. We're figuring out what that would look like, and I'm in the process of meeting with writers and narrowing it down, Sutter said of the spinoff. My intent is, over the hiatus, I'll initiate a script for the pilot and take it from there. The spinoff, he explained, would be a contemporary piece set far enough away from Northern California that it wouldn't step on the mythology that's already been told. It doesn't mean that there wouldn't be some cool, ironic crossovers with familiar characters I can totally see Tig busting in there in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form uh, with familiar characters as the series progressed. But I wouldn't want us want it to set it too close to the world we already know and step on that. Like uh, I was watching the premiere of Better Call Saul um, yesterday. It, it came. Out, it started on Monday, and um, they showed like um, this is what's coming up this season, right? And the name Tuco was uh, was tossed out. That I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, from Breaking Bad. Yes. So we're gonna look forward to that. I think it was a nut job. He was. And he yeah. played it great. Uh, so yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens with that. I'm, I'd like to see the Mayan uh, spinoff. The guy's a, a freaking crazy talented writer, yeah. Kurt Sutter. Yeah, a pretty good actor too. When he, when he came out on on the show, so you do know he was on the show, right? Mm. He's the guy that was always in jail, got blinded, bit off. Oh, his own that's tongue, him! Wow, kept getting raped. I was like. <laughs> you wrote this into your own script. It's like uh, the the whole uh, Mel Gibson getting killed all the time in his movies. <laughs> You know, with the stuff that he writes, the uh, Christ figure, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And it should be interesting either way. Brad Pitt in TV series. I'd like to think that he's open to do a limited series. Yeah. 10, 12 episodes. Mm -hmm. You know, now that uh, people like, you know, the House of Cards stuff is going on, all these series that are being done uh, really well with really good actors, you know? I think that he might be open to do that. I mean, what else is he doing these days? You know, is there Ocean's 15 coming up? Raising kids and, you yeah. know. He's like, put more lotion on me, Brad. Yes, dear. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do you want to go to work? Not really. Not I'll really. Just, uh, continue putting lotion on your body. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine by me. Uh, going off to some music news, Megadeth main man Dave Mustaine was asked in a new interview with Westward.com why he thinks he is, quote, so roundly hated. I didn't know Dave Mustaine was roundly hated. I, I kind of like that. He's really likable to me. Yeah. You know, he's kind That's of a, when I've seen him in concert. I mean, he's kind of a nut job. But yeah, yeah. He, he went, like, really Republican also, so. Oh. Well, yeah. I guess not talking about stage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He responded, I think a lot of it goes back. I think a lot of it goes back to the breakup of Metallica. <laughs> there are people that have uh, picked up uh, that feud, and they don't even know why they're choosing sides. He said, I have nothing against Metallica fans. I was in both bands. I like Lars, and I like James. And contrary to what people say, I do think Kirk is a good guitar player. <laughs> he added, in the beginning, when I was bitter, yeah, there was shit going back and forth. They were justifying firing me, and I was telling them that they were wrong. That's just been perpetuated over and over again. It's been put to bed. I've got no beef with those dudes. We're two totally different bands. Mustaine, who was a member Metallica for less than two years from 1981 to 1983 before being dismissed and replaced by Kirk Hammett who came in from Exodus was not inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Metallica uh, with the band during the April 2009 ceremony Metallica drummer Lars Ulrich later explained to the Plain Dealer that Mustaine was not included because quote you've got to kind of cap it somewhere Dave Mustaine never played on any Metallica records no disrespect to him but there were half a dozen other people that were in the lineup in the early days we thought the fair thing to do would be to include anybody that played on a Metallica record. So that included Jason Newstead and Robert Trujillo, of course. He added, uh, and, and I guess in, in post-mortem, Cliff Burton. Mm-hmm. He added, Dave Mustaine was in the band for 11 months, predominantly in 1982. I'm not trying to play it down. I have nothing but respect and admiration for his accomplishments since. So... 
you know. They like each other more than we like some of them. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I uh, Mustaine has, um, or Megadeth, rather, has put out some phenomenal albums, man. Rust in Peace, Countdown to Extinction, or, oh, man, to my, some of my top two. Those two albums are up there. Peace Cells, love it. So those are my top three uh, Megadeth uh, albums. And uh, I've always kind of leaned more towards the Megadeth style of music because it's more frenetic, it's more technical, it's more sometimes heavier. I, I kind of compare it to how I tend to lean more towards Dio in Black Sabbath than Ozzy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, you have your preferences. There are people that are straight-up Ozzy fans, and there are people that are straight-up Metallica fans. You know, more Yeah, because so. Metallica tends to be somewhat melodical. Yeah. Even though they're heavy, mm-hmm. they have and they have that sound. They they do you know harmonize and mm-hmm. you know be very melodical. Yeah, I mean melodic. they they both they both have their the the melodic aspect to it. I just think Megadeth is more technical sometimes for some reason. Like when well those two albums that I mentioned when Marty Friedman, I mean one of the best guitars around and just awesome awesome output from those guys. From what I understand, the the new album Dystopia is also very very good. I haven't had a chance. to check it out. We're talking about uh, Dave Mustaine not being like, well, now it looks like Kirk Hammett may have stepped on some toes. Really? Kirk, the quiet one, Hammett. <laughs> not Lars. That's, yeah. <laughs> that they somehow let him out of the closet. Uh, Come when, play your solo. When he, he wasn't doing a solo <laughs> and he got in trouble. Uh, that's why they keep him caged up. He uh, came out with a uh, guitar pedal. All right, It's called, um, let's see, KHDK or something like that. That's the company. Of course, he's the KH, Kirk Hammett in it. And um, apparently he said something to the effect of finally we're getting a, a guitar pedal that's backed by an actual guitar player. Most of the pedals are made by guitar players. <laughs> I mean, they, that's how they know what the pedal's doing, what they want the pedal to to reproduce in their guitar sound, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, man, he stepped on some toes. People were like, oh, by the way, I've been doing this for 17 years. Here's me with my guitar. You know, so mm-hmm. it, they came out. Like, one guy's like, these are like 20 people that I just thought of in the first 30 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that have their own <laughs> their own pedal. pedal because they're guitar players, you know? That's why we don't let them talk. Right. Go back into the closet, Kirk. Back with your horror movie stuff in there. We put everything in there. You've got your horror movie stuff. You've got your guitars. You've got your pedals. You've got juice boxes. What more do you want? Get back in there. Marshmallows on the tip of your fork. I mean, the rounded tines, uh, padded walls. Just stay in there. there. You can open the window. Not too long. Look through the yeah. bars. Yeah. And we'll call you. We'll call you when we're going to be recording your solos. But anyway, so that's pretty much what I set up for my, our music news. And now I'm going to go into how we started the show. All right. I played a song for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, without telling you who it is or, or, or the name of the song or whatever, you heard the song. Give me some of your thoughts. It gave me two things. It sounded a lot. Uh, it reminded me of the Moody Blues or... or um, uh, that that era, that genre, it was very, or maybe a little bit of, um, um, God, I hate that I don't remember names. I love it, man. Phone <laughs> <laughs> number. I'm not going to edit it out. Dream, dream Theater. That, oh, dream that, theater. that type of thing where it's very heavy in music and very... Like kind of orchestral. Orchestral, yeah. And... Uh, but the very soothing, very 
well orchestrated voices as well so it was uh what i got from it was that it was kind of haunting mm -hmm. you know the melody it was uh, very soothing it for some reason for whatever reason it kind of struck a chord in me when i when i heard it. i was like, man when i heard it dude i heard it 12 times in a row wow at work i just <laughs> i mean when i first heard it at home <laughs> i listened to the song like over i was like let me hear it again and let me hear it again. Let me. And I started. I think I started learning the song by the time I finished uh, playing it because then I downloaded it onto my phone and then I was listening to it in the car and I printed out the lyrics. So you know where that's going. <laughs> so I kind of started singing it. That's those are the guys that won the best metal performance. That was Ghost. Really? Yeah. So it, I, I don't think that's a, the best representation of them as a band. But I listened to some of their other stuff and I'd heard about them before. They've been around for a while and I'd heard about them. I've seen the makeup and I've seen the the logo and all that. And I've heard about people. People talking about them i just i when i heard their stuff they don't seem like a metal band metal band no it, it, but a friend of mine told me dude they're doom metal i'm like oh okay so i guess i just never got into doom metal this is more like emo metal it kind of sounded <laughs> at least this particular song the song is yeah. called he is now the the interesting about the thing about that is uh, as i heard it so many times you start thinking right and i'm like he is that's literally the other side of i, I am, am. Mm -hmm. so i'm like why has nobody ever written a song about God called He Is and doing that praising Him? Because there's some, there's some. Uh, I don't think I have lyrics. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. There's some parts in the song that I'm like, like it says, uh, He's the shining in the light without whom I cannot see. He's the force that made me be. You know, um, we're hiding here inside a dream, and all our doubts are now destroyed and things like that, right? So I'm thinking about it, but it's not about God. It's probably about Satan. I'm just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, because it goes to like, um, where's the, where's that lyric? Where's that lyric? The guidance of the morning stars will lead the way into the void, uh, and it starts with we're, we're Lucifer, yeah. yeah, we're standing here by the abyss, and the world is in flames. Two star-crossed lovers reaching out to the beast with many names. So it starts like that. Yeah, but it's a beautiful song, man. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why couldn't that have been written about God? You know, <laughs> or maybe we, I can rewrite it and like, uh, you know, do something with it. You know, but it's just a really, really nice song. It yeah. struck a chord with me. Too bad the lyrics kind of <laughs> went in that direction. <laughs> but uh, when I when I first uh, clicked on the, um, I don't remember what the name of the the. It said like a 35 minute thing. It's opus something that my friend uh, told me to check out, and uh, I'm listening. Right, starts a little instrumental, and then they start singing. It's like Satanas. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like so, <laughs> just right off the bat. All right, now we got it. They do have an upside down T, so I don't know what that uh, what that means. Anyway, but uh, I really, really did enjoy the song. I just don't think I can get into uh, their catalog. Yeah, maybe I'll listen to the album, this particular album, and see if there's anything, uh, any other stuff that uh, that sounds good. What about you? What's been going on with you? Nothing, man. Busy, busy, busy. Um, uh, I just got uh, a call and said, hey, uh, in September, I'm working with uh, Mana coming to Laredo, mm -hmm. and uh, I'd like to give you a couple of free tickets. I'm like, great, man. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, he goes, um, by the way, I get to go pick him up in San Antonio, drive him down and ferry him around town and get him to and from the concert and stuff. Would you be interested in hanging out with him? Dude, really? <laughs> he goes, I know you serious? Really, I know you really like Mana. So. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> that is awesome, dude. Listen, let's, I, I'm saying yes, but let's get closer to the date to make sure I can confirm. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, For those of you that watch Jimmy Kimmel live, they're the ones that came out and sang, Mana, Mana. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Mana, mana. Yeah, those are that's mana. So that's awesome, dude. What a what a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. When I had my long hair, people would tell me I looked like lead singer. I'm like, you guys are blind. 
Fair, fair. Yeah, and you're like, you're just looking at the hair because that's it, man. <laughs> that's about the only resemblance I had. Turn around. If there was going to be any right sort here. of resemblance, yeah. Hang on, turn off the light. Okay, now I'm going to squint <laughs> and hold this uh, tissue paper. Wait, I punched a hole in this foil so I can look through it like an eclipse. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's pretty cool, man. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I hope it. I hope it pulls through because you know, uh, I mean, he's been working with artists mostly in the Spanish side, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, he's posting pictures with them and stuff. So I know that he does have the access. Real deal, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. You know, I once met some artists. There's a group by the name of Onyx that we brought down. They had a, a hit by the name of Slam. It was back in the 90s. And the first time I met them, they were driving up to the venue. I'm like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? I went up there with my girlfriend. like, hey, what's going on, man? Can you score some weed? I'm like, oh. <laughs> first thing. I'm like, I, I know I have long hair. And trust me, there's a lot of weed here in Laredo. But I had no access to it. <laughs> I'm fairly certain they Wrong probably... Guy. Probably they fairly certain they got their hands. I'm on I'm sure they did. You know, <laughs> speaking of uh, of uh, musical artists and, and uh, Spanish musical artists, have you seen the movie Gloria? No, it's the uh, story of Gloria Trevi. Dude, do yourself a favor. I recommend the movie. It is a harsh, harsh movie really? on uh, on what happened to her. I mean, starting from when she was a teenager and getting involved with her uh, manager, manager slash. I think she married him at some point, mm-hmm. uh, Sergio Andrade. Manager slash abuser slash dude. (laughs) That guy was not a sympathetic figure. And uh, by the end of the movie, I was like, I hope that guy dies a really painful death. You know, or something. (laughs) I mean, just, oh, man. It was... Some parts are heart wrenching, really, and uh, just incredible, man. I mean, it's a stuff that maybe you you know about her, and some of the stuff you know her public persona stuff, but the behind the scenes stuff and the the tragedies that happened to her life and stuff like that, incredible. Just stuff that you you're like that can't be real, man. It's a movie, no, and and it was a real deal, man. It's what she had to deal with. So the movie's name is Gloria. And okay. it is in Spanish, and uh, I think there were subtitles, but... Uh, was it Netflix or... Yeah, it was on Netflix, I think. But uh, check it out. I, I recommend it. Cool. We are in the midst of the, here in Laredo, the WBCA, the Washington's birthday celebration, the, what, 118th, 118th, something like that. And um, there's a bunch of events going on. We got our youth parade going on tomorrow. We got our international grand parade coming up on Saturday. And uh, once again, the WBCA decides to honor somebody who I could give zero Fs about. To uh, in some I of the, saw that. I saw it's that. like, who is this guy? Agriculture. Or He's a bush. Something. You know, I'm like, another one? And even, not even that guy, another guy. I have no idea. I was like, who's on these panels, man? All Republicans? And it's the Lulac honoring them. That's you. Anyway. So I'm still, I talked to a future president and uh, he says, I like your idea about honoring our uh, our uh, our area's oldest vet. I'm like, folks, and I know there's not many of you listening, but if you, for some reason, happen to know anybody who has any say for it, here's our idea. All we're asking for is the the title of Honorary Grand Parade Marshal be given to our oldest living veteran in the the area, in Laredo or in our, in our area. And um, all it is is, like, we, we do the choosing, right? However, that needs to be determined how the, the, the person is chosen. But then we announce it. Pictures, 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 maybe send them interviews, and that's it. And then Dave the Parade comes out on the car, waving to the crowd. That's it. Two steps. That's it, yeah. 
First time we, we floated it towards the uh, committee, they're like, oh, we don't want to offend the main sponsor of the parade. I'm like, are you kidding me? So The red, white, and blue sponsor? You yeah. Know. <laughs> so, I mean, just one of those things you're like, how is this not something that's being considered? Yeah. And I don't want it to be, well, we made him the, the marshal of the youth parade. No. No, the grand parade. The grand parade, the main centerpiece. And here's why, uh, another reason why it, it upsets me. And this is very local, and I apologize to anybody listening anywhere outside of our area. This is a very local uh, situation. They get so much money from the city of Laredo. Yeah. You know? That uh, there's no reason why a Laredoan cannot be, uh, uh, you know, celebrated. Even if it's not a native Laredoan, if he's a resident of Laredo and is an, our oldest living veteran who's able and, and willing to be the honorary Grand Prix Marshal. Yeah, there, there's no reason. I, you know, uh, I don't like to talk about anything that's not part of the show. Right. But uh, dear and dear to our hearts. Yeah. When, I, when I'm. I'm running for city council here coming up soon. Yeah. And and if, if you I heard get, it here first. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, hopefully if I'm successful, when I'm successful, that'll be one of the things that I would like to bring up. Look, we're giving you a lot of money. Yeah. Why can't we do this? Right. I, and I think there's several like minded people on the on board that haven't really just, you know, approached it or, or approached or, the subject. Or just haven't been exposed to the idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean I'm I'm tired of, you know, hearing uh, being celebrating, let's say that celebrating and and feeding people that have freaking zero interest in Laredo unless it's politically beneficial to them. Right, right. You know? People that you know they they trot out every every year or every election year mm. and come in the area and and, and shake hands gone. and yeah. So that's what that's that's what I'm trying to to I'm not giving up on it. No, and we it seemed it's promising at one point when yeah. we we brought it up and and we're talking about it to when I was dealing with through the theater. Mm -hmm. Remember we yeah. we started bringing it up in meetings and they oh yeah well you know we're bringing it up to the board that and it looked like it was getting some traction and then bait and switch. I may need to get on the board. That might be that might be something to work towards. You know what I mean? I'm, it, it may have to be. You know, it took me ten years to get a rock station in Laredo. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a patient man. How long did it take us to get that that water, that mound of poison uh, yeah. taken care of? It's been kind of. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> kind of remediated or right, getting right. there. Yeah. At least it won't be blowing freely in the wind and to our exactly. to our citizens. Like but, we got a band aid on it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but it's better than the oozing pus into the river right, exactly. and and to the and to the residents. We'd like to say figuratively, but it was actually literally. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we we've been talking about it. What, how long have you been out of, out of radio? I've already been out of radio for three over three years. Three uh, years, three and a half years. And we probably talked about it like three years at before least. that. Yeah, at seven least. years maybe. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe more. <laughs> you know, I, I, maybe close to ten years because I know it's yeah. bothered me from you know word go. Yeah, exactly. You're the one that brought it to my attention and we started I was like wow you're right how is this how does this exist and now it's finally getting done so yeah I mean that might be something to consider hitting the doing the uh, what do you call the long game yeah, yeah. You know, so slow and patient. Be, yeah, man. Hey, I'm all about slow and patient, man. <laughs> I'm patient. I'm persistent. I'm tenacious, and uh, I have a pretty good memory. Yeah. So uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, any other stuff? I guess that was our top of mind segment. Prop. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be. That, that's a good top of mind. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so anything else on your mind? No. Uh, just traffic. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was, you know, streets are getting rerouted for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the largest celebration of, of President's Day, mm-hmm. Washington's birthday in particular, yeah. in the whole United States, yeah. is in a predominantly Hispanic town. Yep. And uh, they're going to build a wall around us if we're not careful. Yeah. Um, I- I'm just waiting for next year when they make Mr. South Texas Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're lucky it wasn't this year, but because Ted Cruz campaigning from Texas. Yeah, yeah, the (laughs) Texas, the only place where you can what be a Hispanic immigrant and turn yourself into a a white racist. Yeah, a Canadian, Uh, Cuban Canadian, Cuban. Now he's a Texan, Texans Republican. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, all right, Joe, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. I hope you had uh, fun coming back. I know you hate skipping weeks, but uh, I'm glad you're able to join us for episode twenty. I'm glad to be back. I really did miss it. Again, you can catch all our shows at thesmallhours.podbean.com. You can reach us via email, smallhoursemail at gmail.com. That is smallhoursemail at gmail.com. And of course, you can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thesmallhourspodcast. Parting thoughts, parting words. Love your kids, hug them, kiss them, buckle them up, and put down that damn phone. All right, and don't point lasers into cockpits. <laughs> Remember, till next time, knowledge is power, imagination is king, and intelligence your weapon. Read a good book today, enrich your mind. You've been listening to Small Hours Podcast with Brother Joe and Al Guevara. I'm Al Guevara. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>